You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Now, are you going to read from something? Yes. I hope so. Good. I will, I do, do you want me to... to Tap dance here for a moment while you find it. Yes, okay. please. What, why don't you talk about Secrets of Ordinary Fall? <laughs> oh, okay, I can talk about what she's going to read. That's I can give a little... Yeah, t- tell us a little bit about this. this okay. Is something new for you guys. Well, it's yeah, it's comparatively new. De- this is from the first... No, this is from the second, second one, right? Yeah, Secrets. Okay, Deborah and I, some years ago, um, started writing a um, series of children's books. And the first book was called The Dragons of Ordinary Farm. It's not children's books. It's, it's really what they call all ages or, you know, used to be called YA... No um, curse words. No curse words, no. Um, no curse words, no no kinky sex, you know. I mean, no, no sex, no sex. My, my kids are back there going, we read it. Where was the sex? Um, sorry, guys, there wasn't any. Um, anyway, and it's about two children named Tyler and Lucinda um, who, uh, who are uh, sent to the, their, their great uncle's farm for the summer and are basically like many kids would be in those situations. Their mom wants to get rid of them. She's, she accepts an invitation from this great uncle that, that she hardly remembers. And they're sent off to this farm in this little out-of-the-way place in the California Valley. Um, in fact, the, the town that they stop at is called Standard Valley, and the town and the farm, as they have seen in their great uncle's letter, is called Ordinary Farm. So, of course, the combination of these things has convinced Tyler and Lucinda that this is going to be either the most boring summer ever or Lucinda being even less au fait with farming techniques is the one who's worrying about things like, you know, uh, do pigs eat people? Um, you know, do, do they jump on people and try to eat them and stuff? And, in fact, but... The first clue that they're not entirely crazy and Lucinda's not entirely crazy and that something is a little odd here is that their um, great uncle, before they arrive, sends them, had sent them a, uh, a, mimi- or a photocopied um, book of, of animal maintenance for them to study. And um, it's, it's care and feeding of cows. But then they realize a little later the word cow has almost always been pasted in over something else. And, and every time they talk about cows, they talk about things like um, why you don't want to stand near the front of them when they're angry because you might catch fire. Um, <laughs> and how difficult when they fly away and get up into a tree it is to get them back and various things like that. And if they roll over on, on your house, they can crush it. And so the kids are beginning to wonder. Anyway, they get to the farm. Long story cut short, it turns out that, first off, that their great uncle has collection of animals, but they're all mythical animals, dragons, unicorns, etc., during the course of the first book, they find out where these animals come from and some of the secrets of the farm, including helping to rescue um, one very important animal on the farm. Um, and then the second book is when they go back for the next summer. So I don't know what part you're reading, so I can't I'm set that up. I'm going to read chapter two. Okay. Um, just to explain uh, briefly the characters. So, oh, sorry, this is from the second book. Yes, this is from The Secrets of Ordinary Farm. Um, where uh, the stakes for control of the farm uh, get raised considerably. Um, the uh, Tyler and Lucinda are the brother and sister. Mr. Walkwell is um, the farm's tutelary spirit. He's the major overseer, and he's also a fawn. Is that 
Yeah. Yes. I was, I was trying to think of... Uh, Sater is uh, the Sater, other one. that's the word I was, I was looking for. Um, He's got the, goat feet and horns. The, uh, and he hides them. The housekeeper of the farm is called Mrs. Needle, and she is a witch. Um, she is a blessings witch, which means that she um, uh, uh, works with uh, apothecary, um, with chemistry, with herbs. With she, she basically does the medicine for the farm. Her son, Colin, um, Mrs. Needle and, and Colin are the embittered uh, uh, adversaries of Tyler and Lucinda, the children. And uh, I think that's probably about enough explanation. This is when Tyler and Lucinda arrive at the farm for their second summer and uh, go to visit um, one of the dragons who has very particular reasons for hating Colin Needle. <clears throat> As they pulled up in front of the reptile barn, Lucinda thought she heard someone calling them. Mr. Walkwell must have heard it too, because he turned to look off in the direction of the farmhouse. A strange object was approaching them, something odd and upright, trailing a cloud of dust. Oh, crud, said Tyler. Him. Colin Needle rode unevenly toward them across the dirt, jouncing up and down on the seat of a plain, old-fashioned black bicycle. Tyler laughed. Hey, nice ride, Needle. Is that your mum's bike? Oh, it's good to see you too, Jenkins, said Colin, with a tight and completely unconvincing smile as he bumped to a halt beside them. Hi, Lucinda, he said to her. Welcome back to the farm. He sounded like he actually meant that part. Lucinda thought Colin was taller and thinner than the previous summer. He was also dressed up in an old, ill-fitting coat and matching slacks. With his hair mussed by his riding, he looked like some kind of wheeled scarecrow. Hi, Colin, she said. You look nice in your suit. It wasn't entirely true, but Lucinda wanted to start the summer being friendly this time. She was convinced that Colin Needle wasn't all bad. Tyler snorted, but Colin and Lucinda both ignored him. Thanks. Colin quickly turned to Gideon. Gideon is the owner of the farm. The great uncle. The great uncle. As if he was embarrassed now to meet Lucinda's eye. My mother saw you heading over here and she wanted me to remind you that Sarah's worked all day in the kitchen making us a hot meal, but it won't stay hot for long. Saw us? She must have been watching through my binoculars. Gideon turned to Tyler and Lucinda, meaning we had best hurry up, I suppose. He sounded pleased as a small boy to be bending the rules, before patience loses her patience. Even Lucinda, on her best behaviour, couldn't pretend that was a great joke, but she chuckled as best she could. Come with me, Colin, she said. I'm just going in to see the dragons. Come along. I'll be quick. Colin, who was beginning to get off his bike, suddenly stopped. Uh, no, thanks. You go ahead in. I'll wait here. Don't be silly. You can tell me what you've been doing since last summer. Lucinda almost took his arm but thought better of it. 
She wanted to be nicer to the tall, awkward boy this year, but she didn't want to give him any ideas. Come on. Colin, reluctantly, very reluctantly, joined the small group as Mr Walkwell pushed open the heavy door. The air was at least as hot inside the massive barn as it was outside, but it was also full of the musky smell of wild beasts. Lucinda did her best not to let the stink bother her. After all, this is what she had been waiting for for months, the way a little kid wanted a special doll for Christmas. Meseret, the adult dragon, lay stretched in her enclosure with her wings folded against her body, big as a city bus, beautiful and awful. Lucinda could not hold in an excited squeak at seeing her. Meseret was like something out of a children's storybook, all thick leathery scales and knobs and whirls of bone, something that should not exist in the real world. But there she was. The eyes with their slit pupils watched them all and gave away nothing. Can you hear me, Meseret? Lucinda did her best to speak with her thoughts. Do you remember me? We flew together. Although, to be perfectly fair, an observer on that night, last summer, might have thought Lucinda had been dangling helplessly from Meseret's harness. Do you remember me? I'm Lucinda. She had tried to convince herself not to expect too much at first, but Meseret's gigantic, uncaring silence pained her anyway. Remember? I helped save your egg. Man, look at this. The little one's here too, called Tyler. And Lucinda reluctantly turned away from the big dragon. You wrote in your Christmas letter that you named her Desta, she said to Uncle Gideon. He nodded. It's Ethiopian for happiness. My wife Grace once had a puppy with that name that was very dear to her. Desta didn't look much like a puppy or in fact like a baby of any kind, at least compared to the tiny thing that had hatched in the farmhouse kitchen last summer. The young dragon was now as big as a small horse. In most ways she was a smaller, slenderer version of her mother, but her overall colour was a sandy brown instead of her mother's drab grey-green, with rosettes of brick red, a frill of pale olive spines down her back. Oops. That's Meseret has rosettes of brick red and a frill of pale olive spines down her back. Desta's scales, some as big as Lucinda's hand, others as small as a sliver of her pinky nail, glinted and shone as the muscles moved beneath the skin. The young dragon was watching Lucinda and Tyler too, but mostly she looked like she wanted to go back to sleep. So cool, whispered Tyler. Is anything wrong with her? Lucinda asked, staring at the straps around Desta's middle. A chain connected the arrangement to a large ring set into the concrete floor of the pen, close to the pile of straw she was using for bedding. What's that thing she's wearing? Harness, said Gideon. Have to keep it on her right now. She'll learn to fly soon, you see. Don't want her leaving the property by surprise. She must hate it. Don't be sentimental. Don't sentimentalise the animals, 
her great-uncle said. That's a mistake. Meseret suddenly growled, and although the mother dragon was some distance away from her, Lucinda could feel the slow, rumbling sound through her feet. Why'd she do that? Lucinda asked. Is she all right? Perfectly all right, said Gideon. She's probably just hungry. Meseret raised her vast head and swiveled it from side to side, nostrils flaring as if she smelled something. Gideon, said Colin, maybe we should... Maybe we ought to... Lucinda couldn't help noticing that the older boy sounded genuinely frightened. I'll just... A strange, loud noise made Lucinda jump. A wet pop, like a starter's pistol, held underwater. Colin Needle jumped, shrieking in surprise and pain. Ow! Oh, help! It's hot! It's burning me! Lucinda spun to see Colin jumping and thrashing wildly. Something thick and sticky was running down his jacket. Something that smoked. An instant later, Colin's jacket burst into flame. Luckily, Mr. Walkwell was only a few yards away. The wiry old Greek moved with such incredible speed that Lucinda had just opened her mouth to shout for help when he wrestled off Colin's burning jacket and threw it aside. He shoved the pale, whimpering boy onto the floor, then rolled him back and forth to make sure he was no longer on fire. For long moments after the flames were out, he kept Colin down on the ground. The black-haired boy lay trembling violently, his breath hitching. Is he all right? Lucinda asked. Colin, are you okay? It is not bad, said Mr. Walkwell. His mother will give him something for the burns. He didn't sound too worried. As Mr. Walkwell and Gideon helped the tall, pale boy out of the sick barn, that's where the dragons are staying, Tyler crept up next to Lucinda and quietly said, Well, I guess dragons don't forget that easily, huh? Desta's mom hasn't forgotten who stole her egg. Don't be mean, Tyler. What he'd said finally sunk in. Wait a minute. You mean Meseret? Was that her? What did she do? I guess she still remembers Colin from last summer. She spat at him from 20 feet away, hooked a big one. He rubbed his mouth to hide his grin. A flaming loogie. Thunder rumbled softly in the distance. The storm seemed to be moving away. Lucinda was not amused. In fact, she felt a bit sick inside. All this from trying to be friendly. Poor Colin. He didn't want to go near the dragons, but I made him do it. He's fine, Luce. Anyway, he deserved it. Just ask Mama Dragon. <laughs> but this was most definitely not the way Lucinda had wanted to start the summer. And that's it. Those were two magnificent readings. You guys are great. I mean, I can't believe that you hadn't read that for years. That was mind-boggling. Thank I like you. You're voice actors That's or very something. kind. Thank Both you. Both of you. Uh, let's take a quick break, go out and have some shots for tots, and uh, <laughs> a brew for the kids, and then we'll come back, and the three of us will have, a, and all of us, will have a fabulous discussion about science fiction. Can I tell you, just remind me, can I tell you just a really, really, really quick story? Oh, absolutely. I had a good friend in New Orleans as a musician named Mark Bingham. And uh, he, some years ago, we, we 
went to visit him and he went, let me tell you about my new project. He said they've like done this whole animated campaign um, for, uh, for, for drug abuse. He said, you know, anti-drug abuse uh, animated campaign with like, you know, Petey Pelican or something. This is New Orleans, of course. You know, and all these animal creatures and we wrote the music for it. And I went, oh, that's great. He goes, no, the great thing about it is they're putting the ads all over Go Cups, which is what people in Louisiana get to get their booze. to. <laughs> so you, can, you can drive with booze in your hands in Louisiana as long as it's in a Go Cup. So they were running their anti-drug campaign on the Go Cups, right? So, you know, you could just, you know, be belting those things back as you're driving your pickup and going like, oh, that drugs is bad, yep, like that. Anyway, just shots for tots for my yeah. <laughs> You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.